السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار So we start today a new uh, series of lectures and this follows on from the previous lessons that we had on the seerah, the biography of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And so this new series of lectures is based upon a short book uh, written by the Shaykh uh, Abdullah, Shaykh Abdullah bin Abdurrahim Al-Bukhari from the Shaykhs of Medina, well-known Shaykhs of Medina. And this was originally a lecture which he gave and the lecture was uh, transcribed and then uh, revised and reviewed by the Shaykh and then published as a book. And so this book is titled Haqqun Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam which translates roughly as the right, the right of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam meaning the right of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi upon his Ummah, upon his nation. And so the Shaykh begins, and what we'll do inshallah, we'll, we'll pretty much read through the book, uh, read through what the Shaykh uh, says, and if there's any additional uh, points or elaborations that need to be made, then they will be made, but this will be pretty much just reading from what the Shaykh himself uh, has said. So the Shaykh begins after his introduction, uh, he mentions the point that there is no doubt to the intelligent person, the thinking person, that when we speak about the noble people, the virtuous people, the intelligent people, the righteous people, meaning from the people of the earth, that this is something that appeals to the person with intellect. The person who has some uh, intellect, some sense, some wisdom, that he likes to hear speech about the noble people, the lofty people, the intelligent people of the world. And it is something that naturally it you know, captivates a person's mind, a person's intellect. And it is something for which the people would extend their necks just to listen to information about the noble, lofty, esteemed uh, type of people. Now, if this is the case with such people of the world, then how much more so when the speech involved is regarding the chief, Sayyidin Nujuba, wa Imam al-Shurafa, when the speech is regarding the chief and the leader of all of the noble people. And this, of course, is the messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he is... Sayyidul Awwaleen Wal Akhireen Muhammad ibn Abdullah Salawatu Rabbi wa Salamuhu Ali. This of course is Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
He is Muhammad, the son of Abdullah. May the salawat uh, and the salam of our Lord be upon him. So no doubt that the Shaykh continues that speech about him, about his right and about the many rights which are due uh, to him. Um, the Shaykh mentions how there are many, many rights, but in this treatise or for the purpose of this lecture, only the essential, the most essential ones will be mentioned and discussed. The Shaykh then moves on and then describes how the Prophet ﷺ was sent by Allah as a mercy to the whole of mankind. As we see in the ayah in the Qur'an, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ That we did not send you, O Muhammad, except as a mercy to all of mankind, or a mercy to the worlds. And so he sent him, the Shaykh says, as a mercy to the worlds, and as a bashir and a nadir. As a bashir and a nadir. A bashir is one who comes and he gives good news. He gives glad tidings. And a nadir is one who comes and he warns. He gives a warning. So Allah sent the Messenger Muhammad as a bashir to a certain group of people. Who are they? They are those who believed in him and they accepted him as one who speaks truthfully, is truthful in what he says. And the ones who act and abide by his sunnah and the ones who obey his command, then to such people, the messenger, his message, he has come as glad tidings for them, as good news for them. And he came as a warner, a nadir, for the one who disbelieved in him, or the one who hindered from his path, or who rejected his sunnah, and who swerved and deviated from his way. So these are you know, three things that we should note, that the messenger is sent as a mercy to mankind. For some, he is sent as one who brings good news. And for others, he is sent as one who warns. And the shaykh continues to mention how that if we consider the point in time in which the messenger Muhammad وسلم, was sent, he was sent in order to remove the people, the nations, from the darknesses in which they were in, to the light. And if we just stop and reflect upon the general situation of the world in that time, after the many centuries after the time of Isa, Jesus, السلام, we find that when we look into the histories of all the different nations in the different continents, and you know, uh, we find that they were stooped in polytheism, uh, they were stooped in uh, barbaric types of uh, practices. Uh, if we look at the Arab uh, nation in particular, and we look at what has been said about them in that period of time, uh, they were full of superstition, they were uh, full of um, uh, you know, aggression and oppression where the strong would consume the weak, they would be believing in uh, soothsayers, magicians and people of that nature uh, they would from a social point of view they would uh, the society was you know really backward in the sense that um, women were very promiscuous and would sleep with many men and they would decide 
when the child was born, they would decide who would be the father, irrespective of whether it was the father or not the father. She would actually choose. So these and many other things, the consumption of alcohol and you know so many things, it shows that the nation was on the verge of destruction. And so Allah he sent the Messenger to the Arabs, not only to the Arabs, but to all of mankind. But when we look at the time in which he was sent, this was the general condition of the various nations of the earth. And so basically, as Allah he mentions in the ayah in Surah Ali Imran, that mankind was almost on the edge of a pit of fire, almost about to fall therein. And Allah by the sending of the Messenger Muhammad وسلم, he saved them from it. And for that reason, hence we see in Surah Ali Imran, the Shaykh mentions the ayah in the Quran, Hold all of you together to the rope of Allah. And do not divide and split. Remember the favor, the bounty of Allah upon you. When you, addressing here now that the pagan Arabs and those who accepted Islam, that when you used to be enemies one to another. And then Allah, He brought your hearts together. And by way of His bounty, you became brothers. Yet, you were upon the edge of a pit of fire and he saved you from it. So here in this ayah, Allah is recounting the great favor, the great bounty. Uh, the great favor, the great bounty, inshallah. Uh, do, please don't take any photos or videos if that's what you're doing in, this, uh, in the masjid, please. So he mentioned the great favor, the, the great bounty of the, that he gave to the Arabs who accepted Islam. And this was their condition that they used to be upon. And so the messenger then, when we consider from all these different angles, he was sent as a mercy to all of the worlds and as a nur, as a light by which Allah he distinguished between the truth and between falsehood and between the darkness and between the light. And in this regard, the Shaykh mentions an ayah in the Quran addressing the people of the book. The Jews and the Christians. Ya Ahlul Kitab, Qad Jaakum Rasuluna, Yubayinu Lakum Kathiram Mimma Kuntum Tukhfuna Minal Kitab, Wa Ya'fu An Kathir, Qad Jaakum Minallahi Nurun, Wa Kitabum Mubin. O people of the book, there has come to you our messenger. He explains to you much of that which you used to conceal from the book. Because the Jews and the Christians, alongside having a distorted book, they would conceal much of that which was in the book. And so the messenger came to ascertain the truth thereof and to point out much of that which they used to conceal. And he, the, the ayah continues, and he pardons from many. There has come to you from Allah a light and a clear manifest book. The Imam Abu Ja'far 
bin Jarir al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, the imam of the Mufassirin, in his tafsir al-Tabari, he mentioned regarding this ayah, when Allah he says that there has come to you from Allah a nur, a light, and a clear plain book. He says, يَعْنِي بِالنُّورِ مُحَمَّدًا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَلَّذِي أَنَارَ اللَّهُ بِهِ الْحَقِّ That by mentioning the light here, he means Muhammad وسلم, through which he illuminated the truth. وَأَظْهَرَ بِهِ الْإِسْلَامِ and by which he made Islam apparent. وَمَحَقَ بِهِ الشِّرْكِ And by which he erased shirk. فَهُوَ نُورٌ لِمَنِ اسْتَنَارَ بِهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم يُبَيِّنُ بِهِ الْحَقِّ So he is light for the one who seeks light from him. And he explains and clarifies the truth. So here, the messenger, وسلم, he is described... By way of the light, and this is a reference to the guidance and the teachings which he brought. And we should pause here for a moment just to mention some of the wrong and incorrupt, the, the, the incorrect, corrupt beliefs which are held by factions of those who ascribe to Islam. And they are those from the. Yeah. Yeah, this, there, are, there are other ayat in the Qur'an, there are, there are numerous verses in the Qur'an which mention uh, the light. Some of them mention the light that was sent along with the messenger. And others mention light in a general sense. So in, expla- in explanation, when we bring all of, all of the verses together, it is clear that these verses are referring to the Qur'an, to the guidance, to the knowledge that was brought by the messenger Muhammad but it can also be said that the sending of the messenger himself is light when we consider it from these different angles. But in essence, it all refers back to uh, the Qur'an, the guidance, the knowledge which he brought, which illuminated mankind. But, uh, as I said, the point that we should stop here is that there are some amongst the Muslims, and I will really just summarize the essence of the belief uh, for you, and the reason why this belief appeared amongst the Muslims is because by about the 3rd or 4th or 5th century, there was a fusion of some of the ideas of the Greek philosophers, like you know Plato, and there were, there were amongst the Muslims those who ascribed to Islam, and they tried to merge Greek philosophy with Islam. And some of the ideas that were present in that time, roughly around the 5th century Hijrah, was an idea called uh, emanationism. Emanationism. There was something called the emanationist philosophy. All this simply means is that Allah Azza wa Jal, that obviously this, this, this was the way that it was represented in Islam. But the basic idea was outside of Islam. That basically the being which is behind creation he emanated himself, meaning that he took form in the form of his own creation. And before that, he had no attributes, he could not really be known. So he manifested himself in the form of this creation itself. 
And then when he manifested himself in the form of this creation, he then took on attributes and qualities which could then be recognized and appreciated by the people. This is the general idea is known as emanationism. And so this was one uh, route and there were other routes as well. But basically the general idea that appeared was that by, by way of this influence of this idea was the idea of wahdatul wujud. That all of existence is one. There is no distinction between the creator and the created. And everything that we see is Allah himself. We cannot really distinguish between the creation and the created. And that this really is the secret of Tawheed. That everything is one existence. There is no separate two existences. There is no existence of the creator and existence of the creation. Uh, this idea is a corrupt idea, but it plagued the minds of many uh, people, many notable people who became notable in the eyes of the uh, common people. Now one of the offshoots of this, one of the corollaries or something that, that arose as a consequence of this, is that these people began to believe that you can merge and become one with the Creator. And that the Prophet, or the Prophet himself in particular, was himself created from the essence of Allah Azza wa Jal. That from the essence of Allah Azza wa Jal, and from the light of Allah Azza wa Jal, the Messenger himself was created. In essence, he is has a divine origin. And that the people in general, they can achieve the same status. And the way they achieve, they achieve the same status is first of all, to recognize this truth, this alleged truth. This truth which claims and which says that the real Tawheed is that all of existence is just one. There is only one existence. There is no such thing as the creator and the created. Everything is one existence. This is what they call the secret, the secret of the unity of existence. So once you recognize this truth, then your goal is to in, involve yourself in certain types of worship, certain types of devotion. And your aim is to merge yourself into this oneness. Until you only see the oneness of Allah, you see nothing else. You do not see yourself. You do not see other people. All you see whenever you look anywhere around you is just purely the existence of Allah. This is really like a corrupt philosophy which, which entered amongst the Muslims upon the influence of foreign ideas. And from here came you know, this, this, this notion of the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Being having a divine origin, being created from the actual light of Allah Azza wa Jal, this was never known to the uh, Muslims, the companions before that. Now, once this idea came amongst the Muslimin, they then went into the texts of the Quran and the Sunnah, and wherever they found statements which would appear to support this belief, they then began to use them and interpret them in light of this corrupt belief. And so that's why when we read verses like this in the Quran, and when we read other 
similar statements that we shall come across inshallah ta'ala shortly, we should be careful and be aware that, um, that they have to be understood in the, in, in the correct way. So Allah Azawajal, He sent the Messenger وسلم, with light, meaning guidance, knowledge, tawheed, sunnah, iman, and all of this illuminated the people from, from, their, from, their, from their darkness. And so through Muhammad وسلم, who came with this light, who was sent with this light, then the people were uh, guided, Islam was established, shirk was removed. And so once this is established, uh, everybody knows, the Shaykh mentions, there's no need to say, that before the sending of the Messenger وسلم, that the nations were upon darkness. And before the sending of the Messenger وسلم, oppression, zulm, was widespread amongst the nations. And before the Messenger وسلم, shirk, polytheism, was, was widespread amongst the nations. All of this does not really need to be said because everybody knows and understands that. But when he sent the Messenger Muhammad وسلم, he sent him with the truth, and so he established the truth, and he erased the falsehood, and light, guidance, life, and justice, all of this was established by way of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now after this, we even find in the Torah, in the Torah of the Yahud, of the Jews, that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi is specifically mentioned with some of his traits and his qualities. So we read in the Sahih of uh, Al-Bukhari, from Ata bin Yasar, who said that I met Abdullah bin Amr bin Al-As, radiyallahu anhu. And I said to him, inform me about the description of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu in the Torah. And this is because Abdullah bin, uh, bin Amr bin Al-As, he used to have knowledge of the Torah. And so he said, Ajal, uh, Abdullah bin Amr, he said, uh, yes, of course. Wallahi innahu lamawsufun fi Torah." Which means that indeed by Allah, He is described in the Torah with characteristics which are also mentioned in the Quran. And then He went on to explain what He said in the Torah. So He said that in the Torah that is said, Ya ayyuhan Nabi, Inna arsalnaka shahidan wa mubashiran. He says, O Prophet, indeed we have sent you as a witness, a shahid, and as a mubashir, one who gives glad tidings to the people of good news, and one who warns, meaning one as a fortified place, a hirz, a fortified place, for the unlettered people. So meaning in the Torah, it is mentioned that this prophet will be sent to an unlettered people, a people who cannot read, who cannot write. He will be a witness, a bearer of good tidings, a warner, and a fortified, like a fortification. And then he continues, citing from the Torah, Anta abdi, you are my slave, warasuli, my messenger, sammaytukal mutawakkil. I have named you as one who entrusts, who one who places his trust, meaning upon Allah. لَيْسَ بِفَضٍ وَلَا غَلِيظٍ 
wala sakhabin fil aswaq he is not one who is harsh stern severe one who is loud mouthed in you know in the streets or in the markets these these are his qualities meaning that he is gentle humble soft wala yadfa'u bisayyati sayyi'a and he will not repel an evil with evil walakin ya'fu wa yaghfir however he will be one who will pardon and forgive walan yaqbidahu allah hatta yuqima bihi al-millata al-awja and allah will not take his soul until he has made the people to move out of the false religion and taken them to iman to faith and the correct religion bi'an yaqulu in that they will say la ilaha illallah there is none worthy of worship but allah fayaftaha biha a'yunan umya wa adhanan summa wa qulubun wa quluban ghulfa and he will open by way of this eyes which are blinded and ears which are deaf and hearts which are sealed or closed or heedless now this is the mention of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the torah and so the yahud they obviously had knowledge of all of this which is why it is mentioned in surah al-baqarah and other places as well the meaning that the yahud they knew the messenger of allah they rejected him upon knowledge and instead they followed you know what the what the what, what the devils the the shayateen taught them during the mulk of suleiman of of sorcery and magic and you know they knew him like they knew their own sons and they rejected him upon this knowledge and this is an indication that the messenger of allah sallam he is mentioned in detail in the torah and this is just an example which is given here in the sahih of al bukhari now this noble prophet when he came of course as we said he illuminated the earth with light and this is the light of guidance and with rejoicement as imam at-tirmidhi he mentions in his compilation with a hadith about which he said it is gharibun sahihun it is sahih in fact from anas radiyallahu anhu who said lamma kana al-yawm alladhi dakhala fihi rasulullah sallallahu that when it was the day that the messenger of allah he entered into madina this is in the hijra during the hijra all of it it was basically all of it in medina was illuminated falamma kana al-yawm alladhi mata fihi azlama minha kullu shay and when it was the day that he passed away then everything became darkened walamma nafadna an rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam al-aidi wa inna lafi dafnihi hatta ankarna qulubana and so he mentioned at the end here that when they buried the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam basically they were very extremely uh, remorseful for losing the messenger of allah sallam and it was a very difficult hour for them to be in until they were so sad that they were actually in rejection the hearts were in rejection that you know the messenger sallam has passed away and revelation has been cut off and this companionship that they used to have has now been cut off the hearts were in rejection 
of the fact of, of, of this fact. And this is why uh, we see also uh, some examples of, of the uh, from the life of the Messenger of Allah from Jabir bin Abdullah radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet when it used to be the day of Jum'ah he used to stand by a tree, a date palm tree. And a woman, or it may have been a man, said, O Messenger of Allah, should we not make for you a minbar? Should we not make for you a minbar? And so he said, if you so wish. So they made for him a minbar. And when the day of Jum'ah came, he went upon the minbar right next to that same tree. And it is related, it is said and reported, that this tree began to make a, a weeping or a wailing sound similar to that which is made by a child which, which screams or which wails. And so the messenger of Allah he depart, he descended from his minbar and he, he heard it making this uh, sound. So he said, he turned to the people and he said, كانت تبكي عَلَى مَا كَانَتْ تَسْمَعُ مِنَ الذِّكْرِ عِنْدِهَا He said that this, this date palm tree would weep on account of the dhikr that it would hear being made next to it. And this was related by Al-Bukhari. So for that reason, when this hadith was, meant, was, was heard uh, by Al-Hasan Al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala from the Tabi'een, he said, يَا مَعْشَرَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ O gathering of the Muslims, Al-Khashabatu tahinnu ila Rasulillah sallallahu Shawqan ila liqa'ih. That a piece of wood would, you know, uh, humble itself to the Messenger of Allah, wanting to be near and to meet him. فَأَنْتُمْ أَحَقُّ أَنْ تَشْتَاقُوا But you are more worthy. It is more worthy and it is a greater right upon you that you are eager to basically meet him and to be near to him and to be close to him. So in other words, if this is a piece of wood that feels like this, then it is a greater right upon you that you also have this attitude. Meaning, introducing us to the notion of the right of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Shaykh then goes on to say that this Prophet, this great and mighty Prophet, these are some of his traits, these are some of his qualities. The people are more in need of having knowledge of him, in terms of having iman in him, and believing in his prophethood, and making ittiba of him, and respecting him, and venerating him, and defending him, and supporting him. They are more in need of this than they are in need of food and drink. Rather more so than they are in need of the air that they breathe. Why? Because his guidance, the guidance that the messenger has brought is a means of deliverance for them in the hereafter from the hellfire and entry into paradise. And so the Prophet ﷺ, he came with the clear path, the clear way. It is so clear as, as, as the clarity between the night and the day. No one swerves away from this path except that he will be destroyed. And here he mentioned the ayat in the Quran, فَأَنذَرْتُكُمْ نَارًا لَا إِلَّا الَّذِي كَذَّبَ وَتَوَلَّى So I have warned you of a 
burning fire. No one shall burn therein except the wretched, the one who disbelieves and turns his back and turns away. So in light of all of this, this is the introduction, speech about the rights of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hukuk al-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then this indicates the importance and it is also an explanation of the second portion of the testimony that every single Muslim makes. When you make a testimony, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashadu anna muhammadan abuduhu wa rasuluh, when you say this, then knowing the rights, it follows on, this is, this, this, this is part and parcel of making this testimony. If you make this testimony, and you, you, you affirm that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and you do not know what are, what are his rights upon you. If you cannot say, the right of the messenger of Allah is upon me is this, number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, then you have not really done justice, you have not established, you have not made this testimony upon ilm. Because making a testimony, when you testify to something, it means it is built upon knowledge. It's like when someone invites you to testify in a court, it is because you are a witness, you have knowledge. You have witnessed and experienced the thing for which you are giving testimony. And so likewise, if you are going, if you are going to make the witness that I testify, ashhadu anna muhammadan abuduhu wa rasuluh. If you are going to make this testimony, then it means that you are aware of all of the necessities, the things which follow on from this testification. And from that is the right that the Messenger ﷺ has upon you. And for that reason, or from this, every one of us will then therefore understand the great importance of knowing this topic. The topic of knowing what are the specific rights of the Messenger ﷺ, along with their evidences, the evidences for those rights as well, from the Qur'an, from the Sunnah, for, uh, you know, for fulfilling these rights, which Allah has made obligatory upon the servants, and in order that they may establish these rights, both in terms of belief, and likewise in terms of speech, and likewise in terms of action. And the Shaykh mentions how it is regretful, and very sad indeed, that there are a large group of Muslims who are ignorant. They do not have knowledge of these rights. Or they do not understand the realities of these rights. And because of that, you will see some Muslims, on one extreme, they will go to extremism. They will exaggerate in the rights or the status of the Messenger wasallam. And likewise, you will have on the other side, those who will fall short, they will fall into negligence with respect to the rights of the Prophet So either we have an extremist who exaggerates, or we have, we have one who is negligent, who falls short. And both of these ways are blameworthy and to be uh, criticized. And so this is the introduction. And so from this we clearly understand the great importance upon every single one of us having knowledge of these rights and the specific evidences for these rights and the specific points that follow on
from those rights. Now these rights altogether uh, that we shall discuss inshallah ta'ala, there are four rights in total uh, that we shall cover over the next, uh, the series of lessons to follow inshallah ta'ala. There are four rights in total. And so the first of those rights that we will discuss, or we will begin discussing, inshallah ta'ala, just before we uh, conclude for the uh, Salat al-Maghrib, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, the first of those rights is having iman, al-imanu bin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So al-haqq al-awwal, the first right is al-imanu bin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now on the surface, they might, this might seem very straightforward. We believe in the Messenger of Allah But we have to make sure that we understand the details. What are the details to Al-Imanu bin Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi What does it mean? What does it involve? What does it entail? What is What contradicts this faith? What invalidates this faith? These are the issues that we have to thoroughly understand in order to grasp this first right of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this section, this right, has five points related to it. There are five points related to this first right of the Prophet wasallam, And we'll make a start with the first of those five points, inshallah ta'ala. So the first one, al-matlabul awwal. What does it mean? When you say al-imanu bin Nabi wasallam, having faith in the Prophet, what specifically does that mean? And so the meaning in having iman in the Prophet ﷺ, as is explained by some of the people of knowledge, it means the following sentence. Tasdiquhu, tasdiquhu, wa ta'atuhu, wa tiba'u shari'atihi. Tasdiquhu, wa ta'atuhu, wa tiba'u shari'atihi. This means... To make tasdeeq of him. This simply means to accept him as being someone who was truthful in whatever he said and whatever he brought. And secondly, to obey him. Ta'atuhu. And thirdly, to follow his, the legislation that he came with. Now, on the basis of this explanation, the people of knowledge have said that when you have faith in the Prophet, it includes two things. There are two things that basically that, that make uh, there are part and parcel of iman in the Prophet ﷺ. So the first of them is that you believe in his prophethood. You believe that he was truthful in everything that he conveyed from his Lord. And that this is something that is specific to him. That is specific to the messenger ﷺ. Right? So when you have faith in the Prophet ﷺ, it means that you believe that he was in fact a prophet. He was made a prophet. He was truthful. He spoke truthfully in whatever he conveyed from his Lord. This is the first affair. The second affair is that you believe him.
So we were discussing the first of the five rights. This is Al-Imanu bin Nabi, and we said that this first right, there are five points we should understand regarding it. The first point is, what is the meaning of having faith in the Prophet And we said, this, this really comprises two things. The first thing is that you believe he is a Prophet, and that he is truthful in everything which he conveyed from Allah Azza wa Jal. The second affair that is part and parcel of having faith in the Prophet is to believe him in everything that he brought, meaning that everything that he brought of the Qur'an, of the Sunnah, of the guidance, of the knowledge, that all of it is indeed from Allah Azawajal, that it is indeed from Allah Azawajal, and it is obligatory to follow it. It is obligatory to follow it. So these two things are part and parcel of having iman, having faith in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So therefore, a believer, he makes tasdiq, meaning he accepts as true, he believes everything that the Prophet informed us about, about those things that we cannot see, about paradise, about hellfire, about the threats of Allah, about the promises of Allah, about the punishment of the grave and its bliss, and everything that the Messenger informed that we cannot see, that we cannot perceive and see. We believe that all of that is the truth, and it is knowledge given to the Messenger of Allah by Allah to convey to us. And the proof for all of this, the evidence that the Messenger is truthful, is the statement of Allah in Surah An-Najm, verses 3 to 4, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْحَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ That he, the messenger, does not speak from his own desire. It is no less than revelation which has been inspired to him. So this ayah now here is a proof of the truthfulness of the messenger وسلم, that he receives revelation and whatever he conveys is from Allah Azza wa Jal. And so therefore, everything which we have been informed by the Messenger of Allah, whether those things, about those things that we cannot see from the umur of the ghaib, then it is wajib, obligatory upon us to believe in all of that, and to believe it is indeed true and real. So we'll stop at this uh, point in our lesson today, uh, to stop for the salat. Uh, but just as a summary then, uh, we established in our introduction, uh, that the Messenger, وسلم, that speech about him is something that everyone wishes and desires to listen to, and how Allah sent him as a guidance, and as a light, and as a mercy, and as a glad, uh, bearer of glad tidings, and as a warner to the whole of mankind. And uh, we mentioned some of the descriptions and the characteristics of the Prophet وسلم, as mentioned in the Torah, and how he was described. And how Allah He illuminated the earth by way of the message and the guidance that He sent with Him. And we mentioned how knowledge of the Messenger of Allah and specifically His rights is part and parcel of the Shahada that we make, the second half of the Shahada. And it is wajib upon every single Muslim to know what are those rights. Otherwise, His testimony is deficient. 
And all of this indicates the great importance of this knowledge, this specific knowledge of knowing what are those specific rights. So we began with the first right, which is having faith, al-imanu bin nabi. What does it really mean? And we said there are five points in relation to this, and we discussed the first point in this lesson. And we said basically that the gist of it was that we believe that he is a genuine, truthful prophet. He is truthful in everything that he says. He's a truthful man. He spoke the truth. He was trustworthy. And everything which he conveyed, it is the truth. And we believe in it, and we accept it, and we have iman in it. This is the first part, or the first point. And we shall discuss the remaining four points, inshallah ta'ala, in the, in the lesson uh, to follow. And just before we uh, conclude for the salah, just a couple of quick announcements, inshallah ta'ala. First of all, tomorrow evening, there will be a tarbiyah class uh, at 6.15 for just half an hour. It is for boys and girls which are over the age of eight years old. So please try to bring your, your children uh, to this uh, tarbiyah class. And the second uh, session that will take place tomorrow as well will be at 7.30 p.m. And it will be a new book, an explanation of Imam al-Nawawi's 40 hadith. This is a great and monumental book, a 40 comprehensive ahadith, concise ahadith, full of uh, uh, you know, uh, wisdom and tarbiyah and so on and so forth. So please try to attend. Uh, this will be at 7.30 uh, till Maghrib, and there will be food that will be served afterwards as well. So this is an evening of knowledge, inshallah ta'ala. Saturday, uh, you are free from work, you have no other preoccupations, and whilst other people are out there disobeying Allah, you know, upon disbelief and upon sin, please try to, you know, uh, make tarbiyah for your family and bring them here to the masjid. And there is a great deal of reward for you to attend this masjid. The angels gather together, they lower their wings, they make dua for you. This is where the tarbiyah takes place. So please try to bring uh, your, 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 your children and encourage your friends and your family to do likewise. And may Allah reward you with good. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.